It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 707, 51 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help only by phone or by Twitter. You can tweet me or send me a Twitter message, a tweet at AskWalter, hashtag AskWalter. We'll have a question on Twitter in just a minute, but I want to remind you, if you have not visited my website, WalterReeves.com, in the last couple, three days, I posted just day before yesterday the announcement of our new garden trip to England. Next year, 2017, in June of 2017, we'll be going to England to visit the gardens of London and the Cotswolds. And if you don't know where the Cotswolds are, they are the place that you look at pictures of the rolling green countryside, these beautiful cottages and castles and things like that, slightly west, slightly north of London. That is where the Cotswolds are, and that is where we're going to spend half of our time. Half the time in London going to some of the gardens that are nearest to London, and half the time in the Cotswolds. It is going to be fabulous. It is going to be so much fun. I have been to London before, and every time I went to London, they would say, hey, yeah, these are great gardens in London, but, man, you really ought to go out to the Cotswolds if you have time. That's really, really nice out there. And so I had never been, and when my tour company said, would you like to go to England? I thought, yeah, I would, but we got to go to the Cotswolds. And so they said, okay, sure, we got some great guides out there. So we have these two funny ladies, two hysterically funny ladies, who will be doing the guiding in London and the Cotswolds for next year. So if you want some details about going on this garden trip, go to my website. It's the first thing you see on the top of the page. Click on the details there. It'll tell you some uh, how to reserve your place and how much it costs and when it's going to be and all the details you need to know. But don't forget that these garden tours are very much friendly, fun, interesting, and they're not all, how can I say this nicely, not all horticulture nerds is the best way to describe it. The people who come on garden tours like to see plants, but they're also things for spouses, for friends, if you want to bring somebody who's not really into gardening, or if you think yourself, I might be intimidated by the other people who go on Walter's garden tours. No! We're all just wandering around, sort of looking at things, saying, oh, how pretty this is. We don't try to show off anything that we might know or not know, and we just have a really great time. Good food, good lodging, good gardens, good things that we do other than gardens because we want to see some historical and other things, castles and stuff like that. So go to WalterReeves.com, see the details about the English Garden Tour of June of next year. All right, Ashley says we have our first uh, Twitter question coming in this morning. Ashley, what is it? Carla got on Twitter and asked a great question. Walter, can you water new sod too much? Some people have said mm. soak it until it's soggy, and others just say sprinkle it twice a day. I think Carla is hitting the first answer is the right one, that when sod is first uh, put in, it should be watered pretty heavily because you want not only the sod itself, and it's moist but not soggy, but you want the soil underneath, and that's critical for newly installed sod that the soil underneath be moist and stay moist for at least two or three weeks while the sod roots down. So my inclination for Carla would be to soggy, make it soggy at first, then hold off. We do not want it to stay soggy. We only want it to stay soggy for a day or two, but hold off and just allow the soil underneath to remain moist 
the top half inch to an inch of the side, you have to lift it up. You have to feel it. You can't just look at it. You have to feel it and see if the side is moist but not soggy for days after that. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Think Carla will do that? All right. Again, if you're on Twitter, hashtag AskWalter. Kyle is in Lawrenceville, and Kyle joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Kyle, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, man. I've got three crepe myrtles, two in my backyard and one in my front. And about two years ago, I started getting black leaves on one, and it seemed to migrate to the cross yard to the one on the side. And I went to Pikes to get a fungus spray that they recommend I sprayed it this year again. Yeah. It seemed to slow down, but then it just came back. And now it's gone to my front yard, Crate Myrtle. And I'm hoping you can tell me what this is because they're fairly mature Crate Myrtles yeah. and I don't want to lose them. I know immediately what it is because it has nothing, sadly, it has nothing to do with the fungus that someone misdiagnosed for you at Pike. It is strictly an insect problem. And the linkage is this. Remember, there was a call a couple of minutes ago, a guy said it had pecans, he had aphids, or had ants, yeah. I should say, he had ants. And I said, oh, if you got ants, then you have aphids because the ants eat the honeydew. And the same thing for crepe myrtles. If you have black leaves, you have aphids because aphids, when they secrete that honeydew that I was mentioning earlier, it coats the surfaces of the trunk and the mulch and the leaves and everything around it, sort of the sticky stuff on it. If you Look at it. I mean, you can see it if you want to, uh, Kyle. You can, on a real sunny day, when the sun is sort of slanting in from the east or the west, either one, look underneath the tree, and there'll be these little dribs of silky, sticky stuff dropping out of the tree. That's honeydew from an aphid up in the tree. And um, when it coats the leaves, then the sooty mold, it is a fungus, a sooty mold, it's black and color in nature, and uh, the sooty mold starts forming and growing on the honeydew. So if you eliminate the aphids, then the sooty mold goes away. So that's what you do to control the uh, sooty mold is put. Usually the easiest way, honestly, is a systemic insecticide like bear tree and shrub. You put that on the ground uh, in June or July, and it sucks it up into the leaves, and the aphids are poisoned, and you never have the black leaves ever again, or at least for the next year or two. need to treat that every year like that. You know, frankly, I get control every couple of years, so I'm not going to tell you to do it every year. It says on the label every year, but I get good control every couple of years. Well, that's exactly what it is because it's on my plants underneath it, yeah. too, so I've noticed it also. If you park your so, car nearby, it'll be on your car, too. It'll be on everything. <laughs> uh, well, listen, that was a great help. That was my biggest concern for the last couple of years, and I just can't seem to cure it. Yeah. Now I have something. I really appreciate this. You bet. Thanks for calling, Kyle. It's easy to talk to and easy to answer the question. Thanks for calling. Have a great day. Yeah, man. Charles in Tucker, Georgia, joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Charles. Good morning. Good, good morning to you, Mr. Reeves. How can I help, Charles? We were up in Gibbs Garden this oh, past yeah. week. Yeah. And up there is bald cypress. Mm -hmm. I didn't think they would grow this far north. Yeah, they How did great. How did you get them up there? Uh, Mr. Gibbs put them in the ground. <laughs> they grew <laughs> next to the lake over there. <laughs> yeah, they grow fine. They grow fine this far north and as far north as bald ground in uh, uh, Gibbs Gardens up there. They do great. They, well, you sure got them. They're beautiful. Yeah, one of the things that people I know have asked before, and I'll teach you something here, Charles, with absolutely no charge, absolutely <laughs> nothing here for to be paid on this bit of information, but both ball cypress and dawn redwood, they're very similar trees. They're needled evergreen trees that get really tall, 
And the question sometimes is, how do you know the difference between a bald cypress and a dawn redwood? If you don't look at them carefully and see the form, how do you know the difference? And the easy way to tell is the needles on a bald cypress are alternate on, on the stem or on a limb. There'll be needle on one side and skip about half an inch needle on the other side, alternating back and forth, needle, 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 needle. Whereas the needles on a Dawn Redwood will be opposite each other. Strictly straight, one on one side, one on the other side, opposite of each other. So you remember ABC, alternate, ball cypress, and ODR, opposite, Dawn Redwood. That's how you tell the difference between them. Yeah, write it down. Maybe you don't have to write it down. You're (laughs) smart enough. You don't have to write it down, Charles. ABC, remember that part. All right. Thank you very much. They do great. Thanks for calling, Charles. One of the things, of course, about bald cypress, and any cypress, honestly, is they have those knees. And you know what the knees are. They're the, sort of the root part that pooks up out of the ground about six inches to a foot. And scientists still are not positive of why those knees form around cypress trees. People used to believe it's because they had to breathe, because they were in the water all the time. That doesn't really seem to explain all the situations in which the knees occur. But if you plant a bald cypress, be aware that over the next 10, 15 years, you'll have these knees underneath it, and it'll make it impossible to mow there. And you don't want to go chopping them off. That's not good for the tree. So just keep in mind that you'll eventually have to mulch and decorate the knee area underneath your bald cypress tree. But it itself is a gorgeous, gorgeous tree and looks really, really nice up at Gibbs Gardens in Ball Ground, where they have the big fall festival, I think, is finished now or is ongoing. You can find out at gibbsgardens.com. Uh, Rama, or Rama, I guess it is, is in uh, Marietta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Is it Rama or Rama? It's Rama. Rama, good morning. How are you? Hi, Walter. Fine. Um, uh, I think I committed a big mistake. Uh, so I planted a lot of bulbs, tulips, yes. crocus, uh, on October the 1st. Yes. And they have already started emerging from the ground. Yes. So is it uh, like, um, so am I going to lose all those bulbs by spring or what's going to happen? You will lose not a one. Isn't that good news? Not a one of those bulbs is going to be affected by sprouting early. And I know, yes, Rama, I was the one who said back in October, hey, now's a great time to plant your bulbs, plant your tulips, plant your daffodils. I remember that. I said that. And it still is okay. okay. Even though I know they sprouted early, normally waiting till October 1st is cool enough that they do not sprout. This year is abnormal. But even if you have early sprouting on the tulips, they will not bloom. You don't have to worry about that. The foliage is completely cold-hardy. You don't have to worry about that. They'll simply stick above the ground for the next several months. And in February, March, April, you'll have pretty flowers, and that'll be that. You don't have to worry at all about it. So do I need to water them uh, regularly? Yes, that would be a nice idea. Water them now. And, and as a matter of fact, a little fertilizer wouldn't hurt, Rama. Um, one of the slow organic fertilizers, the Hollytone or Melorganite or cottonseed meal or uh, EB stone fertilizer from Pike, all those would do great because now is the time when the bulbs are making roots, when it's nice and warm in the soil still. So a little fertilizer would really help them a lot. So think about doing that as well to make them even prettier and stronger and bigger next spring. No problem with early sprouting of bulbs. It's 718. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security Summer Heat. Well, maybe it's gone the way of the Tasmanian Tiger. Today looks like a picture-perfect autumn day, not summer day. Plenty of sunshine in the metro area. Afternoon highs in the low 70s. And tonight, chill is in the air with overnight lows in the mid-40s. Clear skies again all night. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on your home with the dogs. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Jessica joins us from Roswell. Hey, Jessica, good morning. Hey, I've got um, a couple of different types of lettuces in my garden, and I believe it's got aphids. It's got little yeah. black bugs that are kind of grown in a colony at the tip of the stem. Yep. And I was wondering how to get rid of them and still be able to eat the lettuce. Insecticidal soap. Insecticidal that is your best soap. bet because aphids have an extremely thin uh, skin, and soaps do a great job just dissolve the wax off the top of the skin, and the aphids dry out and die. And then you wash them off in the sink and feed the lettuce to the family, and everybody's happy. So insecticidal soap works great. Okay, and is that something I buy, or is it just like dishwasher? Much better to that? buy. Much better to buy it than it is to make up your own. I know there are recipes online that involve this and that and the other, and uh-huh. it's safer to buy it. Let's put it that way, because some of okay. the soaps and some of the detergents in particular, and I think that's where the folks get into trouble is mistaking that the detergent that you use to wash your hands and wash your dishes thinking that that is the same as a soap and it is not detergents are a different chemical completely and detergents are much more likely to strip the wax off the leaves of your lettuce as they are to get the wax off the skin of the aphid and so you end up with burned lettuce leaves from using detergents in these recipes and so it's much preferable to me to buy the insecticidal soap. There's a safer brand. There's a Bonide brand. There's several brands you find at Pike easily. Just use that. Spray it on the aphids and get rid of them. Okay. All right. Well, thank right. you very much. Nothing to it. Do we have time? It's actually asking for a Twitter question here. we got a couple of minutes here. Is it too late to plant shrubs? A Twitter question. If you want to ask Walter a Twitter question, hashtag AskWalter. The answer is no, it is not too late to plant shrubs. Frost will not hurt shrubs if they've been purchased at a nursery for the bed outside in the greenhouse. Everything's fine. Irrigation, again, is perfectly allowable for at least 30 days after planting, even with new watering restrictions perhaps going into place next week. You can still water new shrubs, new lawns, new trees, anything like that. So no, no problem. Planting things now, the frost will not hurt those plants. Coming up in the next half hour, a question about El Toro sod. What do I think about El Toro sod? I think I have some positive recommendations there. You can ask me questions too at 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. Now I gotta wash my mouth out with soap. I feel it coming out my throat. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
736 I should say 736 51 degrees outside this is lawn and garden I'm Walter Reeves the Georgia gardener I'm here to help you be more successful in your garden and to bring you news of things that I think are interesting that I read during the week and one of the things that I was interested to read in the New York Times was a story about green peanut oil now, what does that have to do with Georgia? Well, it has to do with Clay Oliver down in southwest Georgia in the big peanut belt in Georgia. And he and his brother had their father's farm. I believe their father had passed away, and they had this great big farm, and they were thinking, man, we got to do something. Peanuts and just growing peanuts on the farm doesn't seem to be like something we want to attempt to do because we're in competition with everybody else around here. What can we do as a value-added process to make a little bit more money on our acreage and Clay had seen olive oil being pressed, and he knew that olive oil that's pressed at very low temperatures, meaning only by the heat of friction, no uh, heating of the oil itself or the olives themselves, he knew that uh, cold-pressed olive oil commanded a premium price. So he thought, I bet we could do that with peanuts. <laughs> so he grew a bunch of peanuts and put them in a machine he purchased and just sat there on the kitchen table with his machine pressing peanuts and getting the oil and getting his poor wife to cook things with it. Come to find out, it is really, really good green peanut oil, the oil pressed from green peanuts. And got a little bit of it to a uh, chef in New York who said, this is the best stuff I've had on my, on my palate and on my plates in years and years. This is terrific stuff. And I uh, went to a couple of the big South by Southwest uh, cooking events and out to L.A., and you'll have to read the story in the Times. But nonetheless, if you want to be cool, if you really, really want to have a cool gift for somebody who's a foodie this holiday season, go to their farm. It's oliverfarms.com. Clay Oliver is the name, but if you just Google green peanut oil, you can get all the details you need. But that sounds like the coolest thing in the whole wide world to give as a Christmas or Hanukkah present. And it all originates here in Georgia, green peanut oil. Charles is in McDonough and joins us in Lawn and Garden. Hey, Charles, morning. How are you this morning, sir? I'm great. How can I help? Sir, I uh, actually mentioned to the young lady, uh, you helped me pick out the sod from my lawn about 14 or 15 years ago. I, yeah. with your help, chose Centipede, okay. and uh, it's sort of going away on its own. I perhaps haven't taken care of it as well as I should, but uh, considering putting down uh, something I've tried out in my lawn, El Toro. Yeah, sure. Uh, so what, what, do, what do you think about that? Good stuff. Um, particularly, zoysia, it seems to me, does really, really well if you have some places of very light shade and some of full sun. It'll thin just a little bit in light shade, but in full sun, it's awesome. It is a great yeah. grass. I have tried emerald, mire, um, a couple other zoysias, and they're okay. I yeah. like them, but I really like the consistency of the El Toro. It grows really quickly. Yeah. Um, it was designed to grow quickly, designed to work well in the South. Yeah. Um, so I'll, uh, if, if, you, uh, if you give the okay, I'll go ahead with that. I think El Toro, Zenith, Zorro, and Zeon, all of these, they all yeah. work great. I think they work fine. And again, if you have full sun, I don't see any problem at all as long as you prepare the soil correctly. I don't think it's time to lay sod right now, though, Charles. If you want to do it right, we'll wait till May when it's warmed up a little bit before you lay sod. Yes, very farms have it, yeah, and they all suggested, the two that I found suggested that uh, I wait yeah. uh, through yeah. the winter months to uh, to get it done. Sir, one more quick question if you have time. All right, go ahead. I have an autumn malice uh, cherry tree, uh, three of them in an island, 
uh, two of them are doing very, very well. One of them has a, a moss-like fungus on it. It, it. I'm not sure what it is. Um, I use bear insecticide on it all the time or, or, or once a year, and uh, it, it doesn't seem to make this go away. That it, It's killing the tree. Wait a minute. Uh, is it a, tell me what the fungus or this thing you call a fungus, what does it look like? It looks like a moss. It looks like moss. It's 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 gray, ah. and it has a, a, if you will, a furry consistency. Oh, yeah, there's 13 people driving around Atlanta right now saying that's a lichen. Ashley Frasca is actually holding up the letter L with her finger, saying that's a lichen. <laughs> and Ashley and I and now you, Charles, should know that lichens don't hurt cherry trees at all. They simply like to grow on the bark. That's all there is to it. And the cherry itself is thinning for reasons yet to be discovered, but it's not the lichen doing the thinning, not causing any harm. Um, okay. Okay. Know. Any ideas what I could do to, to, to the leaves are falling off and the uh, the tree doesn't bloom as long. You yeah. know, it blooms twice a year. I tell you what, do it's worth trying a process I just call rejuvenation of shrubs. It works fine with trees, too. But okay. go to my website, type in one word, rejuvenate. And there is okay. a mixture of organic matter and milorganite fertilizer that I recommend of putting underneath trees and shrubs and things that are on sort of the weakened end of the spectrum. And you may get some pretty good results. You don't necessarily want to do it now because um, the tree's going dormant, it's losing its leaves, and doesn't really benefit a lot from this process in the in the fall. But next spring, sometime in early April maybe, get out there and put the stuff on the ground underneath your cherry tree and see if it doesn't perk up a little bit. I know the autumn nalis cherries around Atlanta are blooming right now, so yours are, most of them, or your two of them at least, are blooming, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, good, good, good. I knew that somebody would bring up autumn nalis cherry this morning. You're the one who brought it up, Charles. <laughs> the pink flowering tree that people see around Atlanta right now, autumn nalis cherry. Name sort of tells it all, autumn flowering cherry. Thanks yeah, for calling, sir, Charles. Yeah, Sir, thank you very much. Have a great day. Sir. We'll see you soon. We've got uh, Jimmy in Cumming, Georgia. Jimmy joins us on Lawn and Garden. Jim, hey, hey good morning. Good, hey. Good morning, Walter. How are you today? What's up, Jimmy? Hey, I got a, um, I was listening a couple weeks ago. You had a gentleman call about his gardenia turning yellow yeah. and the rest of it being green. And I had to, I had to miss that, uh, the answer on that. So basically what I have is I have a third of my gardenia brown, a third of it yellow, a third of it green. Phew. What is happening? <laughs> How long has it been in the ground? It's been in the ground a good six months. It's still probably the same problem that he described with a little bit of additional drought damage on it. Okay. If you have a third green leaves, I'm thinking that it's probably going to recover. And the drought damage, <clears throat> the brown leaves on it, there's probably came from drought. The root ball, you know, frankly, it hasn't grown very big since you planted it. It has not gotten very much bigger. And if you've missed one or two waterings in that time, yeah, I can see it drying out and leaves turning brown. And the yellowing leaves are the gardenia just confused, thinking, what is this guy doing to me? What, Jimmy, water me now. <laughs> you don't water that it turns the leaves brown and some turn yellow. But as long as you have a third of them green, I think it's still okay. Just be better about watering, Jimmy. Okay, great. I appreciate the answer. Have a great day. You bet. Thanks for calling, Jim. Pretty simple answer to that question. If you have a simple question, or frankly, if you have a complicated question, you can call me, 404-872-0750, or you can tweet me 
Ask Walter. Hashtag Ask Walter on Twitter. Ashley, do we have another question? JK in Tennessee listening to the show said he has a Kusa dogwood and a half whiskey barrel yeah. on the apartment balcony outside. Wow. Does he need to keep watering it normally through the winter? This is a stick your fingers in the dirt and find out kind of question, JK. If you take your finger and stick it in, if it comes back dry, water it. If it comes back moist, don't water it. Um, you know, but further for JK, Ashley, I'm thinking, Kusa dogwood and a half whiskey barrel, it's going to be pretty big. Kusas are not tiny, and unless he got a dwarf size or one that is genetically going to be a smaller type Kusa, eventually JK is going to have a tree that is so big that it just sucks the moisture out of the barrel so quickly that it gets into drought damage and leaves turning brown, the edges of the leaves turning brown. So eventually I think JK is going to need to plant that tree somewhere in the ground, not in a whiskey barrel. As long as it's small, as long as it's, what, Three feet to five feet maybe tall. He can probably get away with watering every couple of days. But I certainly can see a problem as time goes on of it just getting too big for the container. It needs to go in the ground. J.K., think about that. Gary is in Alpharetta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Gary, hey, good morning. Hey, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I just had a couple uh, quick questions for you regarding a, a windmill palm. I've just recently, my girlfriend and I, planted these palms, and uh I've heard that you, you can pretty much expect uh, about a foot of growth per year, but I wanted to make sure that in a lot of me doing that, um, I'm doing the proper things to get that growth. Yeah. So one, um, miracle grow is that a good thing, especially when freshly planted? And then two, how much water should I be applying to these plants? When did y'all plant it, Gary? Uh, October 9th. Okay, so it's relatively recently then. Yeah, sure. one application miracle grow will get enough phosphorus and potassium <clears throat> into the soil so the roots can grow. After mm -hmm. that, I think for the wintertime, no, I don't believe you're going to need to fertilize again during the winter. And that's simply because cooler weather means less photosynthesis and it just doesn't need many nutrients during the wintertime. The roots can spread in the warm soil. They're doing that right now. It's been doing it for the last few weeks since you planted it. So... <clears throat> Uh, the one application of miracle Grow was fine. The next application of something more, more palm-related. What are we going to put on that windmill palm? Let's run over to Pike and look around and see if they don't have a citrus and palm fertilizer. I believe that some of the Pikes have a box of citrus and palm fertilizer that has a particular mixture of micronutrients in it. Mm -hmm. Don't obsess about this. Don't go 100 miles trying to find it, but look specifically for citrus palm fertilizer. If you can find it, use it. If you can't, go and use... I, I, this is another situation where one of the organic type fertilizers like Hollytone or EB Stone General Purpose or um, Milorganite, any of those would do fine for the palm tree. Scratch them into the soil a little bit, water them in in April, and maybe another application in June would be about right. And, yeah, you're going to have a pretty-looking palm. It'll be really nice, Gary. Yeah, I hope so. I know they're, they're not very uh, common here in Georgia, but if you get lucky and get them growing, they're, they're beautiful plants. I just uh, my, my, Most of my concern is, like I said, I've heard less is more when it comes to the water, and I just wanted to make sure that I didn't overwater it because... They say that too much water is yeah. not a good thing. For don't, don't keep it soggy all the time, but if the soil is moist, then it's fine. And initially, as you probably noticed when you planted it, it didn't have a huge root system on it, and so that root system needs to be moist enough to grab some moisture out of the soil. 
um, and get to the top of the tree. But after uh, six months, eight months, maybe a year, I don't think you need to worry about watering at all. And the good thing about the windmill palm, it is completely winter hardy. Palm grows great. Windmill palm grows great in Georgia. It's 748. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, a pretty, pretty, pretty nice day today. 70s in the middle of the afternoon, 74 degrees probably. Clear skies over day, over the day and overnight. Clear skies remain and temperatures dropping down into the 40s. A little cooler than it is right now, 51 degrees outside. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes at News 95.5 and AM 750. You're home with the dogs. Laurie is in Sandy Springs and joins us on Lonely Garden. Hey, Laurie, good morning. Hi. Good morning, and thank you for talking with me. How can I help? Well, I actually have four questions, mm -hmm. but the two that I initially called about was, what do I do for winter care of my hydrangeas and autumn ferns? That are in the ground? Yes. Nothing. Don't cut them back or anything? No, no, autumn ferns are evergreen. The only thing you'd cut back is when and if a frond turns brown, and frankly, you'll notice most of that in March of next year when the weather okay. starts warming up. So cut the brown fronds out and the rest of it, leave it alone. Hydrangeas, okay. um, if you have a stem that is that has green buds on it, then that stem needs to be left alone. Otherwise, if you see stems that are dead, have no buds on them all the way to the ground, cut them off at ground level and take them out. And should I consistently water them during the winter? No. If they've been in the ground really? for more than okay. six months, they are perfectly yeah. happy, perfectly established. Okay, and one more. I have a rhododendron I need to replant somewhere. Yeah. And I don't know the ideal location. Mm, I would say morning sun up until it could okay. be 1, 1 o'clock maybe. Um, but then okay. afternoon, it would be really appreciative if you make it some shady situation in the afternoon. So as you wander around the yard this afternoon, okay. just sort of notice at what time of the day the sun shifts in one place and another place. See if you find morning sun, afternoon shade, that would be fine. Okay, fabulous. Okay. If you're going to well, move it, here is the answer to yes. your question that is not asked. I'll give it to you anyway. Water it now heavily. Make the soil around that rhododendron soggy. And then okay. within a week, maybe Kurt will give us some rain. Maybe in a week or two we'll get right. some rain. But make Please. it soggy, soggy, <laughs> soggy now because that will help those roots to withstand the stress of being moved from one part of the yard to the other part of the yard. And it's just going to make things yeah. a lot, lot easier to deal with. So soak it down real good right now. If for good heaven's sakes, if it doesn't rain within a week or so, soak it down again. Make sure that the leaves and the stems and the roots and everything are very turgid and ready to go. And then you'll be able to dig it out. There's no problem in moving it anytime between now and heck, January sometimes. So you're not time pressed. All you're pressed on is how to keep those roots wet. Our phone number is 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750, or you can tweet me, hashtag AskWalter. We'll be back after news. Oh.